Hello, you're listening to The Rest is Education. I'm David Marshall. And I'm Ross Forthwick. And today we're going to be talking about what makes a great colleague and why we need great colleagues in education. Ross, we decided pretty much universally uh, that this was a good topic we wanted to talk about. Why, why is it so important to you? I think we can all agree that an environment where you work surrounded by people that are supportive is, is an environment where you're, you know, you're likely to be happier. And, and I, I think ultimately that's, that's the key, isn't it? So you know, why, why is it that in some environments people are more supportive than in others? That, that's the crux of it, really. It's one of those topics that we, it, may, it may have been so obvious that we missed it at first and we, did, we didn't prioritise it. But I think it's something that is, is getting overlooked elsewhere and, and deserves its time in the limelight. Absolutely. And it's something that I think as teachers, probably in every profession, I think, having colleagues, whether you're freelance or whether you work for a, a company or whether you work in a school, it it's sort of having colleagues uh, makes you partly want to go into work. I think it's one of those things that you don't necessarily get up in the morning for your colleagues, but definitely there have been times when I've gone into work for my colleagues and obviously you go in for the pupils, for the children, but going in for the colleagues is perhaps something we don't talk about as much. Um, I wanted to start actually, if you don't mind, with a, a small anecdote, um, because I, this is what made me want to do this episode, really. Um, relatively recently in my last role, um, in my last school, I was having a bit of a tough time at work and I yeah, I was just was struggling a little bit as we do from time to time. And it's everything felt a little bit overwhelming and, you know, lots of lessons, lots of extra things to do. And I kind of had this really packed full day. And I normally, when I have a really packed full day, when I don't get a break, I, I work through my break time. But the, today I just felt like, you know what I want to do? And I, I just want to go to the staff room and sit down for a bit. So I went up to the staff room and I sat next to a colleague and I just turned to her and I said, oh, you know, how's it going? How's, how's life? And she said, yeah, it's okay. And I said to her, you know, sometimes I've seen you sitting in the staff room and closing your eyes. I hope you don't mind me asking, but are you meditating? What are you doing with, with that? You know, are you taking a moment? And she said, yeah, actually, I just, I'm taking a moment um, and closing my eyes and doing a bit of kind of mindful activity really helps me. Um, which was kind of cool because I'd seen her doing that, but I'd never actually asked her before. But it's what she said next that was really interesting and made me really glad I'd asked. She said that she said, actually, it's really hard to find a place and a time to close your eyes, to take a moment, sometimes to cry, to take a telephone call in the school. And that's, you know, and, and, and she said, you know, that that's something that I find difficult. And in that conversation, I felt we had that shared connection there that we'd never had before that meant that I kind of go, yeah, I get you. I totally understand that that can be difficult in a school when everything is hectic and there's no real place to go. And it really made me appreciate having colleagues that you can talk to and being able to share those experiences. It made actually, it made me be able to carry on through that day and get through that week, just have that conversation. So yeah, that's, that's my kind of, that's my kind of thing. And I, I think that that's an isolated episode, but I, I think it's pretty kind of familiar I don't know if you've experienced anything similar. 
No, that's that's a great story, and actually, uh, possibly the most powerful argument for having a staff room because we, we've both worked in environments where those spaces are, are being reduced, and um, I think the culture surrounding them and the time given over to using them can can often be under threat. And I think what you've just said there is just so important, isn't it? That actually there needs to be time and space given over. And and also what you said about, you know, having a, a busy day and wanting to work through your break, we've all felt like that. And and having the self-discipline sometimes to, to force yourself to go to the staff room because ultimately it's what you need and it's important is is quite tricky as well. So I think having a culture that that really supports the use of the staff room is really important. And, and that has to be ultimately top down. Um, uh, you know, I, I would, I would argue, um, in and terms of, in, sorry, you go different. Well, just, I was thinking and what you were saying made me think in terms of it plays into the whole staff room socializing, but also socializing outside work end of term parties, that kind of thing. Friday drinks uh, or alternatives to Friday drinks for people who don't want to go to the pub. All this stuff kind of makes, is part of the kind of getting to know your colleagues, having a social life linked to the school, which can be, can be tricky and might not be. Yeah. So we have actually one of the great successes where I am at the moment is that, um, that coffee break in the morning. And rather than queuing for the kettle in a small, um, small room somewhere, it's a coffee trolley in a large communal space. And so the coffee's already there and we don't have much time. We have about 15 minutes, but almost everyone will attend on a daily basis. And that's an opportunity to speak with everyone from, you know, the support staff to the uh, people in the office, the um, peripatetic music teachers who otherwise you would only see popping into your lesson to withdraw children the support team who often work in an isolated role, um, you know, senior managers, everyone. And so I think that that moment in the day, every day, is really important. And you don't need to drink coffee. You know, you can just go for a chat. And I think uh, that that's certainly something I'm very aware of here. And it's just part of, part of the culture of the school. And it might seem quite old-fashioned. And when we get visitors, they often comment on how quaint it is. But actually, if you forget the surroundings and the aesthetics of it, the role it's performing is as important now as, as when it would have been conceived, you know, over a century ago. So I think that, um, yeah, that, that it's super important. And I feel very fortunate to, to work in an environment where that's encouraged. Absolutely. And what you said about the peripatetic teachers as well, the, the music teachers who are perhaps only in one day a week or teachers who work, TAs who work part-time, having that time to come together, having that shared experience with the colleagues when you're not actually just working is really important, isn't it? And knowing each other's names, uh, knowing each other, just, you know, if you've got a music teacher coming in once a week, teaching music lessons all day, it would be quite easy to not know a music teacher's name uh, and not talk to them at all. But you could imagine they might be going from school to school to school and having that same experience across a week. And then probably, let's face it, working weekends as well. That, that's quite a dispiriting kind of experience of, of, of work, isn't it? 
No, yeah, 100%. And I think even even the other members of staff that I, I mentioned as well, it doesn't need to necessarily be visiting members of staff. It, uh, you know, you can be permanent on site and, and work in an isolated role. You know, we've got the groundsmen who, uh, you know, they're out there manicuring the lawns and, and pruning hedges and things. They, they work in what is essentially a, an isolated role every day of, of the week. So, um, yeah, for them to have that social opportunity is, is super important. Um, so I think, you know, we, we recognize that that space is, is key. Um, bring, bring us back to the, the crux of this episode. What do you feel makes for a great colleague, would you say? Wow. Okay. Um, that's a hard question to answer because I've worked with, I've worked with so many different schools and I've worked with so many different colleagues. I'm an English teacher. I work in a primary setting and I've worked in secondary settings too. And of course, you know, work with people from different and different types of teachers, different types of TAs, different types of colleagues. uh, I would say that probably, I know this, Sounds maybe strange, but I'd say probably the first thing is someone who is good at their job. And that doesn't mean that, I mean, you know, you can be a novice teacher, you can be a, a, a early career and still be good at your job. But what I mean is that someone who is holding their side up in the sense that they, they're working hard at something and you can rely on them. It's quite hard to it's quite hard in a, in a high pressure school environment to kind of build that, that kind of social connection with people who are really making your job harder on a daily basis. Um, and that's rare. I mean, you don't come across it very often, but it's just in terms of sort of someone who's, um, who's, who's doing their job well and is, is working hard and trying hard or, you know, people go through difficult times, I know, but, but that's kind of probably a, a first step because that's sort of one professional to another. Does yeah. that make sense? Or is that, does that sound too harsh? No, not at all. And actually what came to mind when you were saying that was you, you said people can go through a tough time. Um, and I was thinking of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of need and obviously everyone's fighting their own battle, you know, ultimately, whether we can see it or not. And, and you know, that, that might be a constant uh, you know, challenge that they're dealing with, or, or it could just c- come and go as things do. Um, so there is that. But um, one example I was going to give was actually when when I first started out, I was given a, a role as a mentor. I think it was in my second year, actually, of teaching. And I, I was in no position to be a mentor. And I was actually a terrible colleague because the the new teacher on arrival really re- required a great deal of support and uh, as, as you would in any new environment. And a bit, a bit like that sort of adage, you know, charity starts at home or, or the, the whole image around, you know, putting your own oxygen mask on first before helping someone else on a flight, you know, that, that sort of thing. Well, I was, I was struggling against the current day to day, just trying to, to get my job done, you know, so that I could go home before 8 PM and, and, you know, not think about it. Um, so to be then loaded with the responsibility of, of a new teacher as well, whilst still relatively junior, I felt that I was, yeah, I, I wasn't a great, um, wasn't a great colleague at all. But then fast forward a few years, I would hope, 
that want established in my role. And you, you said, you know, someone that's good at their job is therefore able to be a great colleague. I think once you're proficient in your role and you, you feel comfortable and maybe not comfortable, but, but confident in what you're doing and, and you're not having to firefight, then you can invest in others. And I, I think that's something certainly, you know, after five or six years in, in one environment that you're able to do or most people would be able to do quite, quite comfortably. Uh, if, if that is, they don't have their own things going on outside of work as well, which uh, is probably something we'll go on to. Um, is that sort of a fair, fair thing to say? Or, yeah. Yeah. And listening to you actually makes me want to moderate what I'm saying, because when I say someone who's good at their job, it really, like you said, your, it, your job has to be manageable and we're all, we all go through periods of times where things are more difficult, uh, times where things are perhaps hopefully easier, but if your job is not manageable over a long period of time, then that you've probably got too much workload. And that's what maybe makes someone not a good colleague because like your experience of, of being a mentor, you can't be a mentor if you're kind of just about not really holding your own work down. You equally, if you're going around stressed all the time, you're probably not a good colleague because uh, that stress is going to rub off on everyone else and the children you're teaching. So it's sort of going to be a a, a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so actually, it, you know, you said, you mentioned earlier, the value of leadership in kind of creating a, a space for people to meet like a staff room. I think there's a there's a sort of importance here of leadership in, in ensuring that workload is manageable. And I'm in no illusions that this is a big thing on the agenda for probably almost every school in the UK in terms of the leadership and thinking about it. Um, but it's one thing having it as something that's important. It's another thing that actually putting it into practice. So less stress so, maybe makes better colleagues, do we think? Well, I, I was going to say, actually, does it depend on the stage in your career as to what makes you a good colleague? Because if you're, if you're junior and you're being supported and you don't have sort of other issues going on, then your potential to be an effective colleague is, is there. But then perhaps later on in your career might change. And I know you've, you've been looking at a bit of research, haven't you, David, on, on mm. that? Yeah, sure. Should we start with that one, which is interesting? So, so let's start with this one. So I came across, um, I was looking at collegiality because I think this is quite closely connected. The idea of collegiality is effectively the culture of the workplace and the way in which people support each other and uh, there's a shared culture of, of lots of things. So there's some research from last year, 2022, by Sims and Jaron, Jaron, uh, that says that there's, there's not really a finding that there's a link between collegiality and teacher stress, which is interesting. They also include in that, just as a side point, behavior. So no particular relationship between collegiality and behavior and the impact on teacher stress, which, is, which seems surprising, particularly for behavior, although we're not talking about that now. And it goes against what I said a few moments ago, which is kind of like better colleagues, you know, stress and collegiality work together. However, there was earlier research to show that there was a link between collegiality and behavior and job satisfaction and retention. So while it doesn't, it's not, there's no evidence to show that it's linked to stress. It is good collegiality is linked to job satisfaction and retention. And that obviously 
is a huge thing for a school. We've talked about this before when we've talked about why do teachers leave or stay in, in, in schools, in education. And if you lose teachers, you're obviously losing massive loads of experience from the profession. Job satisfaction, if you don't have good job satisfaction, you're going to lose teachers. There's going to be less retention. So it's an interesting one. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Um, well, I, I, I think that really it, it depends on what stage you are in your career as to, to how different factors impact your overall stress and your ability to manage that. Because I think if you're a junior teacher, behavior, in theory at least, is going to be more of a, a, a stress than if you're an established senior leader or, or head, for instance. Mm. And this um, doesn't distinguish between those things. It, what it doesn't do is it doesn't seem to have a, it doesn't go the other way. It doesn't talk about teacher stress influencing collegiality. It's about collegiality influencing, reducing teacher stress. So there's no, it's not a two-way piece of research as far as I can see. So, um, yeah, but but definitely there seems to be, I mean, it, it, it's effectively, as far as I can see, it's saying that if you go to the pub a lot on a Friday or if you go to the staff room a lot or if you hang out with your colleagues then you don't necessarily, it's not going to reduce your stress load, which I think we kind of know. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, if you, if you have good friendships or good staff friendships, it, it's saying we don't necessarily think it's going to reduce your stress. So the, there's a tipping point, isn't there? And that ultimately, if you're, if you're socializing all the time through the school day and you're not actually doing your work, <laughs> Um, then, then obviously your your stress is is still going to be there, you know. And I think likewise, if you're in the pub every Friday and and you spend your weekends with a, managing a headache, then you know the same the same thing. But um, do it, wait, do I detect do I do I detect a tinge of dis- disapproval from from uh, from Mr. Borthwick there? Not at all. You know, I I hope the Ivy House is is still alive and well. Um, you know, I I think the the Elgin as well. You know, I'm I'm sure that's that's still doing well. But um, um just yeah, for the it's, for it's the listeners, the we're, right. we're Ross is referring to previous pubs near our former workplace. Um, well, yeah, it is about getting the balance right. I I mean, something I don't know that's happened to me that's probably I'm imagining happened to you as we kind of grow up. You're a father now. And we're both older than we were by about sort of 10 years since we started working together is you just, it seems like there is less time to go to the pub and there is less time to uh, do things outside of school because you're going home to your family and it feels like there's, there's a, or, you know, you, you don't perhaps have the ability to go out and sort of do things that you used to do when you were younger. I don't know. Is that, is that something well, I found? think pr- pr- priorities change, don't they? But I think, you know, back to the socializing thing, your example of sitting in the staff room is, is I think, uh, as um, included in that, that piece of research as, as going to the pub would be. So, you know, it doesn't, doesn't need to be that. It can be socializing during the school day. But I think, yeah, it's still about the balance, getting the balance right. Now, you, David, you had another piece of research, I think, mm. that suggested that at the point of being a middle leader, you are most likely to to have a supportive colleague that you can you know bring to mind um you know throughout your career and, and perhaps less likely as a senior leader or head 
um, and again as a um, as a new entrant teacher. Um, and I'm I'm biased in this because looking at that research, I I totally fit the model in that it was whilst a middle leader that I felt incredibly supported. Not to say I didn't as a senior leader, but but as a middle leader, I socialised a lot. Um, particularly, I remember having middle management meetings sometimes we'd we'd go for walks we'd go for a run um you you've certainly been to a meeting that we we held uh at a an off-site refreshment uh provider near, nearby um i i think you know that when i think of being a middle leader that that all comes to mind um but uh you know i'm, I'm just one one individual so i don't know don't know mm whether that's well, something to explore or well the research you're talking about comes from teach tap which is a great uh a great innovation and something i think teachers should get into you effectively get messaged with a question and i think it used to be on a friday it probably still is and you answer you you know you answer that question that all goes into data that provides teach tap with with sort of pretty pretty good research data i think so there's not actually a lot in it, as far as I can see, if I'm reading this data correctly, to, between a middle leader and SLT in terms of good collegial friends and a firm best friend in, uh, in on the staff body. The one that's really different is head teachers who feel that they less that they have a colleague who looks out and cares for them. And it's... Uh, that that's that's just kind of the research saying you know do I feel like I have people who are friends with uh, I'm friends with at work um it says underneath that but are those with collegial friends happier at work surprisingly it doesn't really seem so and this I'm reading directly off teach chat those with good collegial friends didn't really seem much more likely to say they had enjoyed working last week at the time this was done and also weren't much more likely to say they were content at school so it seems there are many different ways um to feel content at work, having a good, great friend is no guarantee of happiness. So interesting that, isn't it? And I, th- I think I'm sure it's no guarantee of happiness because of all the other factors that that can present themselves. Um, not not just in teaching, but any other profession. But it's, it's very interesting about the, the head being feeling as though they didn't necessarily have a, a um, supportive or great colleague. Um, it's it's so bizarre isn't it? It, it it's almost as though the model of headship needs to be altered um particularly bearing in mind recent events that the the stress factor and the, the fact that ultimately blame and and responsibility residing with one person when that that organization can be colossal i i think it's 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 a bizarre model when you think about it it's you know, it'd be far, almost far more sensible to have a sort of console method where you have maybe two people sharing the burden of responsibility and almost like co-heads or something like that, just so that you, you can have someone on your wavelength to be honest with. Um, it must, you know, it must be lonely. I, I, neither of us are heads and, and, and haven't been, but um, there, there must be a, an element of, gosh, you know, how much can I say because I don't want to to burden anyone else with this and it's sort of my responsibility alone. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, that It's it's an interesting one and, and just a shame, I think, for senior leaders that, that, that lots of them feel as though they don't have a supportive colleague. 
Well, senior leaders, senior leaders do as much as middle leaders, and and obviously, the classroom teachers feel that they have more. I say obviously, but um, that that could be assumed. I, I think you're right in the sense that I, you know, I have friends who who are heads or been heads, and definitely, it does seem lonely, um, and it does seem like there's you once you get to that stage, it can be hard to have colleagues who really understand or who you necessarily feel like you can share some of the burdens of what's going on with with them partly because some of these things that you're you know are, are actually um confidential so you're you're dealing with a whole load of things from safeguarding through to confidential information about people's jobs that you absolutely can't share just by by law so that's that's by nature it's it, it is lonely and we know that sharing something sharing a a difficulty is makes us feel better. I'm very privileged to have a great group of friends outside of school, outside of my workplace, who I can go and talk to about anything. And, and that actually is really healthy for my mental health. And um, I think that's great if you have that on the staff body as well, but you don't necessarily need it. You know, it's, it's, it, you can be a good colleague and you can have, uh, friends in school and you can be a good colleague and you can kind of say goodbye to people at the gates and or, or go go for a drink now and again but still have friends outside school I think uh, that's all possible but you asked earlier on what makes a good colleague and do you have a do you have thoughts about that what does make a good colleague just to put that question back to you yeah I mean I I, I do, and it's something I discussed earlier on in the day with my wife, and you know, who, who's also a, a, an experienced teacher, and um, we we were talking about it. And I think whilst it does differ depending on the stage of the individual concerned in terms of their career, I think ultimately it does boil down to being someone that's in a position to actually support initiatives, whether that be sort of whole school initiatives or. Or if, if, say, someone introduced something or um, added some value to to the general provision of the school, if if I were to be a supportive colleague to that person, I would be out there beating the drum. You know, I'd be saying, guys, David Marshall's photography club is happening this evening. You know, you should really sign up to that. It's great for this reason. And, and I, I feel like that's what creates... A collegiate environment you know it, it be, because every school has something going on but but there are those that buy into it and there are those that add to it and there are those that actually just sort of they're there doing their job no one can deny that but they're not necessarily being great colleagues either if that makes sense i, I probably haven't articulated that very well but i think yeah just this idea of of being a team player and, and actually actively supporting what's going on. And, and sometimes that will be making a sacrifice. You know, that could be uh, volunteering. I'll chat about a colleague of ours who, when we first got chickens in London, David, you're like this. He um, worked in the science department and he voluntarily gave up uh, some time of the, in his evening to, to help set up the chicken coop, just totally because he, he wanted to and he wasn't asked to do that. And, you know, he, he was already a, a valued colleague, but, but I think by doing those things, you, you really strengthen you, your bonds, don't you? And I think if you've got enough of those 
networks amongst a staff room, then then you end up with a, a really vibrant, positive environment and, and place to work. And it, it's infectious. Definitely. And, and what you're saying actually just makes me, reminds me to go in tomorrow and do exactly what you said, really back my colleagues. And, and one thing we have at, at my school, which I really love is you can give a shout out to your, um, to someone you think staff member of the week, just like, you know, uh, team, team, team person of the week in a sports game. And it's announced just in the morning meeting on a Monday and it's just watching somebody, not not everybody loves their name being read out, even in a positive way, but watching somebody kind of be told that, hey, one of your colleagues thinks you're doing a great job for this is just really nice. And it's just another form of appraisal, isn't it, really? Um, and people yeah. like being appraised. It's a virtuous cycle that kind of only moves up and, and that's what you want to create. And I, I don't know, your story about the, the helping set up the, the chicken coop, which is a lot of work. You know, there's a colleague I'm thinking of, it might even be the same one if it's from the school we used to work at, who just always, if you ask him for a favor or ask him for help, just always said absolutely. And, and he'd do it right then and there. Like no matter what he was doing, he would stop what he was doing as long as he wasn't going to teach or something. And he would just go, right, let me help you sort this out. And it was, it was, it made, it made working there so much easier. And also it just, as you said, strengthened those bonds and, and, formed a really deep friendship and there's definitely um i think in every workspace i've worked there's people like that who you just think they're fantastic and but you you don't want it to become a clique either though do you you don't want it to become just these group of people who are your friends you want to have a shared collegiality across the whole staff because a clique is the opposite to what you want but uh, but i think people like that they inspire others to be supportive and outgoing and then rather than i mean i could be wrong but rather than then forming cliques around those people or amongst those people actually what happens is you end up with with a culture where that is that sort of mindset is the norm and and that's a great thing you know what i've experienced both in my current job and the previous job where we both used to work is it's it's a shared culture in the sense that I can sit down and talk to anybody, any member of staff, and I can have a great conversation. And at lunchtime or break times or just out on the playground, if I make time for that, because I might often be running around like I had this chicken trying to sort something out, for which I apologize deeply to anyone who's been around me in those times. But just knowing that though that your colleagues are there for you and and listens to you or you you know you can have a chat or talk about the work you're doing share you know planning it's really it's really something and if i hadn't worked at a bunch of other schools prior to that prior to these two jobs i wouldn't realize how rare that is um but i think it's quite something you know for me it goes back to this idea of actually what is it that you're there to do because if if it's to earn a salary of xyz there are other things you can be doing that require far less time and effort but but if it's because it's a it's a calling and and you you actually actively want to become a better professional and and you know buy into the environment you're in and and strengthen it and you know essentially you know augment that school add value to the pupils you know it then you know you're you're likely 
to be um, a great colleague to, to those people in that environment. Um, I think, yeah, it just goes back to, to really all professions, not just teaching. What is it that draws us to, to entering a profession? You know, it, it can't just be the pay packet and, and the, the time spent. It, it has to be something else. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've been very fortunate in that we've worked in environments that have invested in, in those people and created a culture where, where that, that is, uh, you know, something that's allowed to flourish and it, it's very obvious. But, um, you know, likewise, I think if you, if you go in with the wrong mindset or if the environment doesn't sort of encourage that mindset, then it, that's where it becomes difficult. Because I, I think you could, in theory, you could go in quite naively, perhaps as a junior teacher and think, right, I'm just going to do the bare minimum here. I'm going to go home um, and, and, you know, that, and that's it. Um, but the environment might change you, you know, if you worked in a, an infectiously positive, supportive environment. But, um, you know, it's, it's where there, there isn't that. You need, I think you need one or the other, really. And also, and I, and I agree, but and also what you said about stress and workload earlier, because the the research shows that what does impact um, stress, teacher stress, is workload, and that you know that's a that's a big factor, and leadership, and of course we know those two things go go very close in hand together. So absolutely. You, you can't be a good colleague if you are overloaded and burnt out and, you know, really stressed out of your mind. That doesn't make for good education for children either. No. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, in, enjoying it and, and being allowed to enjoy it is yeah. what makes you a good colleague. <laughs> um, right. Well, so, I think, are we, well, are we happy that we've got to the bottom of that particular one? Kind of, except I just sort of, have one question which I noted down here, which is what we've had this chat, which is a great chat, and um, shared this research and our own experiences. If someone who's listening to this pod, what do they do with this information? Is it just Ross and David having a good natter, or do you go away? <laughs> is there anything anyone can learn from this, or or just people nodding their heads say sagely and kind of going, "Yeah, you know, I I identify with that, or I completely disagree with that." What 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 do people do with this information? Well, it's it's not a guarantee, but there was a piece of research that I don't think we've mentioned that about those who are more likely to attend a social, whether you know after school, during school, whatever you want to call it, being more likely to have a supportive colleague. And I think whilst there is a piece of research that says you're you're no more likely to be happier at work if you have a supportive colleague. I am an optimist and I, and I think go for it. And so if you're listening to this podcast, I think the best thing you can do with this information is to carve out that time, ring fence that time for yourself to go have a chat with someone, go along to the staff room at the right time and, and, you know, don't spend all day in there necessarily, but, but I think just, yeah, find that common ground in, enjoy being there and, and take a moment for yourself. And um, if that does you know, for those that partake in that sort of behavior, if that does involve wandering down to the local for, for a quick one after work, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. 
Yeah, I'd agree. Um, chat to more colleagues, ask, ask them how they're doing. Um, maybe they've had a tough lesson or just want to talk about, I don't know, the cricket or the final episode of Succession. Brilliant. Also, I'd say join a union because they're colleagues too, but on a wider level. And, and actually going back to the development factor, if you do work in an environment where you're not being invested in, a union is another avenue whereby you can invest in yourself or at least the union can invest in you because often they provide CPD as well. And, and so that, that can give you a sense of empowerment and, and also this feeling of uh, collegiality. Sorry, it's sort of end. This episode's ended as they were being sponsored by a union, but, but no, no, <laughs> but, genuinely but, you know, our opinion. But our, um, our, our feelings are: go and chat to your colleagues, ask them how they're doing, uh, join the socials if that's your sort of thing, and join your union. Free takeaways. Brilliant, cool. Well, thanks, David, and um, I hope you get out and enjoy the rest of the sun, and uh, have a great final half term. You've been listening to the rest is education. I'm Ross Borthwick. And I'm David Marshall. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We're on the Twitter. And you can also email us at therestiseducation at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.